Hi, my name is Mimi Banks, and I'm the founder of MB Social. We are a social media agency based in New York and Los Angeles, and we specialize in beauty, lifestyle, and luxury. We work with brands like CeraVe, SkinCeuticals, Bliss, and La Roche-Posay. What I love about beauty is, first and foremost, are the products. I'm a product junkie, and I love trying products. As the more, the better. And second is the community. They are some of the smartest and most interesting and passionate people I've ever met. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Hi, it's Abby Wallach on for Beauty is Your Business and excited to have Mimi Banks on the show today. Mimi, so great to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for having me. You're set, you're up early from uh, LA. I love that. <laughs> We're always on New York and LA time, right? In this business, exactly. I work in New York hours, so five thirty a.m. is my new uh, alarm. My wake up. Wow. So I love how you kicked off this interview by talking about the people in the industry, the clients that you work with, the entrepreneurs, the C-suite executives. Tell us a little bit more about community and what that looks like today in this environment and in the pandemic. Sure. Well, I'm being a, a connector personally and professionally. It's the people in the community that have actually helped me grow my business And it's one of my most favorite things about this industry and about having my own business is I get to work now with people that I love, respect, and admire. And I find that I learn the most from each each person because every person's experience is different and people fundamentally are good people and they want to help. And so what I love is the ability to either brainstorm or to learn or just have like a meaningful conversation And during the pandemic specifically, I think it's been those connections within the community that has helped everybody thrive. Um, People are craving that connection. They're craving a community. And I think that the beauty community, at least the people that I work with, have really come together to offer that support, that that ear, that level of empathy, um, because they actually really care and they want to help people feel better or look better. Mm, that's such a great perspective. You're right. They do. And that at the end of the day is what the beauty industry is about, making the consumer feel and look good. So it's really compelling and inspiring to hear you say that about the people behind the brands that are making people feel good, um, especially as this pandemic and the world has sort of changed. So let's dig in a little bit into your background, some more about how you started in the business, where you started, and what you're doing today with your business. Sure. So my business is, uh, my background is pretty simple. Um, I worked at L'Oreal. So I'm a L'Oreal, I always say I'm a L'Oreal person um, for the good and the bad, depending on where you sit. Um, But it was my training ground. It's all that I know. Um, I started when I was, I think it was like 23, 24, right out of grad school. And I worked there for almost 15 years. I had a few different jobs and I worked in the U.S. and in France. And I, again, I met some of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. I learned it was not, not easy. I got my ass kicked. Um, I celebrated, I cried, but most of all, like I learned so much and, and, and the, the funniest thing to this day is that 
Um, and if they're listening, I still send one of my mentors and my boss emails when people give me praise or strategies or, or projects that I work on, because deep down, I still want her to be proud of me, but I really respect wow. her and everything that I've learned from her. Um, and so I always, I send her these things every once in a while, just to say, look at basically like, I can't believe, look what I'm doing now, because I remember when you taught me this. You know, that's amazing. And that's such an important theme. I think that's happening right now today in the world is mentorship and community mm -hmm. building back to the beginning, right? Like everybody wants, no matter how old you are, everybody wants to feel special and they want to be remembered and they want to feel like they made a difference in someone else's life. So I'm sure who, whoever that mentor was for you, that means a lot to her. I love that. That's great. Right. And I think what's also happening, I'm sure you're seeing this, is the whole female empowerment movement and how, you know, the different generations are really supporting one another, which I think is very exciting. Let's dig in a little more into your business today and how you got to the place where you're at with, with what you're doing and why you pivoted in that direction after you left L'Oreal. Sure. Well, it was actually kind of um, the L'Oreal that sparked it because I've always been interested in communications. I have a master's in communications, but when I was getting my master's, it was just based on an interest. There was no social media. There, I don't, there was maybe Friendster. I don't even think there was MySpace. And I always was super passionate about it. And, and at one point in my career at L'Oreal, and this is the same mentor is that she kind of showed me how I can package the skills that I was doing. And I was in more of like the HR side and education and training and how I could package these skills that I was doing to basically sell myself within the organization. Because I was, I started to do within education and training, what they call learning technology. And that was e-learnings, webinars, and putting it on a learning content management system. And that was super like progressive at the time because you were taking classroom training and making, putting it online. And I saw that I was like good at the content creation. I was good and I inherently understood user experience. I was good at um, making things happen and understanding how people digested things online. And I, I started to really enjoy it even more than my normal job. And so what happened was, you know, long story short, is I was able to then pitch myself to do, to do social media. And social media wasn't a full-time thing. It wasn't even something that existed at L'Oreal. There was someone at Kiehl's. And I had someone else in HR that knew me for a long time, and they kind of made it happen. They said, okay, they're putting me in a protected position, and it wasn't even a full-time job. They said, okay, we're going to try this. And I basically piloted and created social media for Longcomb. So there was already a Facebook page. So they had already had Michelle Fawn. There was this huge Facebook page, but there wasn't an Instagram. There wasn't a Pinterest, I don't, if I remember correctly. And so my job, I, you know, I remember the first day I went in, I was like, oh my God, I get to post on Facebook. This is my job. I like, so I, I was able to start it. And what was really cool is that because social media was so new, and I think this was 2012, is that I was able to go in and be the first and to create. And because we had this strong brand behind us, um, we were able to garner a following. I would create, you know, goals for myself. I want to get to a hundred thousand followers this year. Uh, you know, and we would, and we could achieve it because no one else was, it wasn't, it was still kind of new. And I found this excitement that I hadn't had and this level of understanding and passion. And I was literally, I had to sell social media to all the executives and, Fast forward a few years that we were able to, you know, 
do some firsts, win some internal awards. Um, I got quoted in Business Insider and I had all these like exciting moments that I had been waiting for my entire career that finally, I always say at age 30 something, I figured out what I want to do with my life. And essentially I, I was, I saw bigger things. I had a vision and I was like, you know what? I, I think I really want to do this. And I was way ahead of, I think where L'Oreal was, you know, in terms of budget, in terms of like where I, what it was, it was just still too new. And so I left and I started my own business and it just, it's grown from there. And my philosophy, and it's still the same philosophy is when I meet with people, it's how can we help you? Because it's not about selling a service. I mean, at the end of the day, it is, but that's not what social media is about because social media is still about a community. It's about customer service. It's about genuine engagement. And so we take this hybrid approach between consulting with an agency backing. And we really, our goal is to help people. And we say, okay, social media can be a burden and it can be so heavy. Where is your pain point? How can you spend time on the business? And, and, and what do, how can we help you? And sometimes it's just by having the conversation and providing insight and saying, okay, you can do it yourself. And sometimes it's saying, okay, we can help you here. And so that's really like my, how I, I, we've, I've built the business. And like that philosophy is, is on that. It's not a, about bullshit, right? Like I, I couldn't stand salespeople and people were trying to push me all the time at L'Oreal and that's just not my philosophy. And I genuinely want to help people and, and within that to have a real connection in that we're here to help your business and your community because social media is super personal and it's you're speaking on behalf of the brand. So where we have seen a real growth right now is that we've developed an expertise in community management um, and really helping companies or businesses like CeraVe support their community, which is getting so large. And so you need to have that manpower and people that are always on. So that's like my long-winded answer of like how I got here. Mimi, I love, um, I love your philosophy. It really shows your heart and who you are as a person, as a human. And I think that's so important to bring that um, true authenticity into the environment, especially in social media, because it's changed and it's evolved. And at the end of the day, the best communities are going to be when people feel that they can reach out to a person. It's not the bot. It's not the robot. Totally, 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 totally. That's kind of what our philosophy is within our team is that we speak like a, a human and a person, not a robot. We literally say that to each other. That's like in our best practices, like we create documents. We say, speak like a human, not a robot. Oh, I love that. Well, you know, it's, it's, look, things have evolved. As I just shared with you, I've been in the space since 2006 before social media even existed. So I know it very, very well and very intimately and it's changed a lot. And I'd love to get your perspective as to where we are today with social media. What are you seeing as the platforms for the beauty industry to really focus on? And how would you suggest to our audience, um, people that listen to us that are just starting out, big, big brands, C-suite executives, what would you suggest to hyper-focus on so they can build that audience? I know that's what people hire you to do, but would you have any tips or tricks to put out into the world? Whatever you do, you need to do it well because you risk spreading yourself too thin. So what happens when a community is that communities are, can be very demanding. 
So if you're going to say, okay, I want to build a platform on, let's say, Instagram, you have to be there. So you have to be there and be present. We literally respond to every single comment, every DM, and every story that people mention of CeraVe in. We have four people working on this account because the community matters. And I think to me, that's the most important part is that it's not about the platform. I mean, it is inherently, but it's really thinking about how can you be present and what is your approach? Because the consumers are very demanding. So on Instagram, they can see that you read a message. So you read a message and then you don't respond. People get pissed. And even on CeraVe, people are like, oh my God, I can't believe you're responding. No one ever responds to me. And so there's a sense of gratitude and a sense of appreciation for the brands that care. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, where is your target audience? So TikTok is huge right now. It's blowing up and everyone's saying, oh my God, what's my TikTok strategy? Well, first of all, let's make sure it makes sense for your brand. So are people even talking about your brand? And it's very easy to kind of search around and poke around through the hashtags. The second thing is, is does it make sense? And can you create content? Because TikTok is all about original content. You can really create like your videos that you would do for YouTube or your website, put on TikTok. That's not, that's not the right medium for this. So do you have the resources that can sustain it? And that's actually a really big thing right now is that because it's all about that original content. That's such great insight because you're right. It's in this vast world of social media. Is it good to be everywhere or is it good to hyper-focus, own your audience, be in one vertical and really own that space and that community because it, my background is media and entertainment. And yes, to produce, to create, to innovate in this, in this arena, it takes, it, you need to be a full on media business to, uh, to uh, accommodate that type of content. So it's a very interesting conversation as brands are starting, as big brands are elevating to, you know, it's all based on what you can really afford to do with your team and with your financing. Totally. Right. And and so I talk to new brands all the time um, about building their Instagram or building their community. And so what we start to look at is, you know, I can go in with hyper-focused. I say, do you want like my L'Oreal eye where I just kind of like look really deeply and and look for things, right? Like my job is to say, okay, my job right now is to nitpick. And what we look together and to say, okay, holistically, do you have a pretty feed? That's great, but like you have no engagement. So let's look deeper to see how are you cultivating a community? Because right now there are over a billion accounts on Instagram, right? So, and people are drowning in a sea of of brands. I mean, they're, they're happy to follow a brand, but is this compelling? Is this interesting content? And can you form a community? And just because you have pretty pictures, it doesn't mean that you're going to attract people. Maybe it doesn't, maybe your content doesn't resonate with them. Maybe it's not relevant. And so I think that that's the first kind of work that you have to do is to say, okay, what is our point of difference? We're new. Nobody knows us. So we're not a long comb where it's like you put something out or I say like a Chanel or a Nike or um, a Diet Coke, where that there's this like huge brand recognition that people just come no matter what you do, right? And so it's really to think about what is your point of difference and how can then you attract people to you, which is kind of a bigger effort. And it takes, it's it's harder when you're a small brand. It's not impossible because people do that, but you have to be able to sit and think through how can you share content that resonates with other people. And, that, and then that, I, I think that that then becomes your focal point of then how do you start to build out that content arm to be able to like invite people or draw people into your community. 
Yeah, very, very well said. Have you taken a look at StoryDot yet? Every brand and every product has a story to tell. And you can't successfully sell that brand or product without telling the story. StoryDot delivers your story wherever you want it to be heard. You can meet your customers at each point in their journey, connecting the dots between your business and the consumer to enhance engagement, experience, and conversion. I encourage you to take a look at StoryDot at StoryDot.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-D-O-T dot com. You know, there are a few other things on the table right now in the world of social media. One is the content commerce play, right? So how how much do you find your social media um, content actually driving revenue for these brands? Because it's a different conversation and things have really changed vastly on these platforms, you know, the way they interact, the way where you find people today, where they're engaging. So I'm curious to know what you're seeing and do you think that the social media engagement is really performing in a way that will drive sales ultimately, or has, because it did at one point, but, or is it more about just community and being social and engagement to ultimately get people connected to the brand that they'll think about it? I think that, so to answer your question, both the best brands um, will be top of mind during that purchase decision, but also the best brands provide education. So if I go back to CeraVe, um, they have, they're having a moment, which is amazing. And that Hiram basically helped them sell out products. People were like, I'm buying this because Hiram, because of Hiram, literally straight up on TikTok. We weren't there. Hiram suggested X, Y, and Z product who happens just to be a skincare influencer and passionate about a brand. And that was a direct impact on sales because somebody suggested it. And so then what happens is when there's an influencer and you can insert Kim Kardashian, insert anyone with a strong voice, right, into a brand, then they come to the brand looking for information. So they say, okay, X, Y, and Z person talked about this. Now let's go to the brand. And so what we make sure that we do is that we have a deep explanation of the product, specifically in skincare, because people want to know about the products, about the ingredients, about regimens, about how to use and how to mix and match. And so it's important then to explain to people what it is so that they are clear to say, okay, I heard about it somewhere. I want to buy it. And now they're maybe coming to check. So that's one thing. The other thing is, is if you are in beauty and it's not like a skincare, maybe it's makeup, you always have to say the shade or the style or the product so that people say, oh, I like that. What is that? Because you have them in that moment for that three seconds that maybe they'll have an impulse purchase and make it easy for them to shop. So they might not have thought that they were on Instagram or on Facebook or wherever they see your content that they wanted to shop, but they saw something that caught their eye. And now we're used to being influenced. We all know that it's a new shopping channel. So you have to make sure that your product, your service, your good, whatever, whatever it is that you're selling is there and it's explained. So we even work with a shoe brand and we make sure that every shoe in the shade, every single thing is actually communicated so that someone sees it and they know exactly what it is. Because the more information that you give them, the more information about your 
product, the easier it is for someone to purchase. And, or they'll save your post, which is the new engagement. Maybe it's not now, but they are obsessed with it and they'll save it and they'll come back to it later. So interesting. What what I'm finding, because I just launched a small brand, fragrance brand over the summer, is that there is, we've started this small community and it's really starting to take off in different areas. But I find that the true conversation happens on the DMs. People really want to engage there. They really want to get that connection to the founder. To totally. The, and it's it's really, and it's a younger brand. It's really targeted towards the teens and, you know, uh, 12 to 24, so to speak, college girls. But it's really um, very exciting to see this, that they're, they are hungry for information and for empowerment and to be a part of something. And I think that is the true power of social media, if you can use it in a way to educate, to inform, to entertain, and really make people feel a part of something special. Um, it's been very interesting to see and, and to acknowledge each different platform. The other thing that I'm finding, which is very, um, which I'm observing and I, I want to understand more is the algorithm. So, you know, on social, it was easier to follow the algorithms before maybe before the pandemic even, because you would see your numbers go up and your engagement and you can Google all of that information. How are you finding all of that with your clients to advise them? Because it seems that some days, very funny, I have a son that works at TikTok and I have a husband that's on TikTok. Don't even ask. I refuse to do any of that. It's hilarious. But I see these numbers and I see one day they'll get like a million views and the next it's like a thousand. So how do you manage that for your clientele when you're working on these brands? Because is, isn't that out of your control, the algorithm? Uh, I mean, it's way out of our control. We, <laughs> I mean, with, with our clients, way out of our control. Uh, and we, what we do is we're just, we have, again, it's based on like our relationship. It's based on um, a trust. And so we're very... Uh, we're very open. So what does that mean? Is that I still, I'm like a no bullshit person. So we will, we have a very transparent conversation. So when we're going to post something, we say, we think that it will do this. This one, we know that we're posting for brand awareness that we don't think they'll get a lot of engagement. Or sometimes we post something that has like a tremendous amount of engagement. What happens with the algorithm or what I assume is that they're basically trying to help you harness your community. So in some cases, if when you post that a lot of people like it at the same time, then they'll boost that and the algorithm assumes that that's good, quote unquote, good content. And maybe sometimes for whatever reason that you're posting it and it doesn't, it doesn't get that same kind of uptick immediately, they assume that people don't like it as much. Um, I really think what it comes down to overall is the quality of your content. So if you're producing content that resonates with your audience and it's not generic, it's not stock photography, it's not just reposting other people, unless it's quality that your community is based on reposts or it's based on memes or something. But you're you're educating, informing, or entertaining, like you said, in a very real way, then in theory it should work. If you have a person that's creating content and it's just and it's an ambassador, make sure the lighting is good, make sure you have a ring light, make sure that it's clear captions, make sure that the production value, it's not perfect, but it's easy for the, the person or the community to consume. Otherwise, they'll pass right by. And so we're constantly kind of looking at each piece of content to understand why something performs better than others. 
we see that, you know, um, with some brands when they're passionate, like the more products that you put about that brand, the more exciting they are. If you talk about a regimen, the more excited they are um, versus maybe a text-based post, which when someone's scrolling, it's not gonna, they're not going to stop and read it. Maybe it's, they'll stop more likely because it's a brand that they like, but it's not the products. But And they're really following that brand because they're obsessed with the products. So that much we know and that much we've learned, but the algorithm is definitely something that's constantly evolving. I also think that they're kind of forcing you into paid um, that you have to pay to play just or pay just to like, like get seen in the algorithm or get seen in the newsfeed. Just the same thing happened with Facebook. Now, Facebook, you really have to pay to play. You have to pay so that something that your content is seen. Um, so I, yeah, it's, 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 it's tricky where we, we always try to tweak it or play with the little things that you can do to make it, to make things pop so that you can work with the algorithm. So whether it's like posting when you think most people are active, whether it's using hashtags, whether it's tagging things, whether it's um, reposting somebody who has a big following. And those are things that you can do to help your chances of being amplified. But it's it's really kind of the wild, wild west, as they say. Yeah, I was going to say, there really is no secret sauce to this process. It really is a no, lot of, no. it's really being present. And you said that at the beginning, it's being present, it's understanding your audience. And as this world of technology evolves and social media continues to grow, it's, I, I don't know, do you, what are you thinking for the future? Do you see different platforms really just h harnessing in on different um, categories? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, my background's from the, you know, I started in the cable industry. I think, you know, where is it all, all headed, right? Like we know where it is today. We know where it was, right? We were there at the beginning. We know where it is today. Like what's going to, in the next three to five years, as everything starts to evolve and as we start to come back, what do you think is going to be the future of social media for brands? So, I mean, I really think right now that people are craving community and connection and adding value. So what has come during the pandemic is the level of authenticity that people are holding you accountable for your actions. So for me, it's about those barriers between brands and community is getting less and less that there's an expectation for people to uphold a certain level of um, authenticity and also who they are as a uh, and their, I would say their values in general and their ethics, and people will call them out. So besides the cancel culture, overall, it's to say, okay, okay, X, Y, and Z brand, we expect you and your community expects you to do this. And to really uphold those values, you should walk the talk. And where I am now, so this is like a little bit of um, a, a left turn, but this is where I see the platform that's doing very well in this is Clubhouse. So I'm obsessed right now with Clubhouse. I'm on it a little bit too much. And what's interesting about Clubhouse is that there is no bullshit in the fact that you can't hide behind a pretty feed. You can't hide behind your content. It's about you. It's about kind of value you offer. It's about talking. It's about, it's kind of like a, a live podcast meets chat room. So for people who don't know what Clubhouse is, it's really, it's an audio social network. There's no DM, there's no messaging, there's no video. And it's just you, based on who you follow, that opens up your hallway, which is your newsfeed. And you can search through different conversations happening, and you can join in a conversation, either as a lurker, or you can raise your hand and be on stage. Or like this, you can moderate a conversation with like, 
either people that you know, people that you like, subject matter experts, or even just people you met on the platform because they make compelling conversations. And I think to me, this goes to the root of what social media is. It's about community, connection, and conversation. And if you think about it, to be social, I always kind of define it to say it's this group of people and you have a two-way conversation, but you're not really having a two-way conversation. You know, someone posts, you respond, they also respond. And so there is kind of some two-way and you try to engage and people will try to ask a question in the caption. But here it's really two-way. It's really saying, okay, someone said something and I have to verbally respond because it's all about the audio response. So I'm, I learned so much every day on this platform and you, and you can, and even in the beauty community, I've met people that I never would have met before, big businesses, small businesses. I've reconnected with some of my old L'Oreal friends that are now at so many different places and that they're running brands, they're thought leaders and they're sharing and they're giving back. And we actually hold weekly rooms on Sundays about different topics that are compelling. And it's people coming across the beauty community to speak. And no one in the beauty community really speaks with each other. You're, we're talking vice presidents, presidents of brands that are competitors. And we're all on the quote unquote stage together talking. And that to me is breaking boundaries. And that's, that's a whole new frontier that we haven't experienced. You are absolutely right. It's true. I'm on Clubhouse too. And I agree that I, I'm just starting. It's, it's interesting though, because what I love about the platform is that you can be on any time of day, but so many times I'm working and I can't pull away from my right. work. So that's the bigger right. challenge. You know, it's managing your time, right? As an entrepreneur, as wh whoever you are, wherever you are, it's how do you manage all of this information? Um, I think it's a huge disruptor also. I, I think you're right that having that opportunity to have a conversation, bringing really amazing minds together um, from all different categories of beauty to put them on this, uh, have the opportunity to be together and share is very, very unique. I am thinking now that you said that, I'm wondering in my own thought process, if it's going to dissuade people from being on the other social media platforms because Clubhouse totally, feels a little totally. older now, right? Because you want that interaction. Like it's so much fun to be able to connect um, with someone just invited That's me right. to speak. I haven't done it yet because I'm so busy, but it really is a great way to communicate, to help, to inspire. Um, so it'll be an interesting right. journey to see. And uh, we know there are a lot more Clubhouses that are starting to come you know, being built. But I, I think it's interesting. You know, I think that there are about 3 million on it weekly now. Those are the last numbers that I saw. But I, brands are starting to see, like, what is their role? But as a brand, you need a face. You need to have, like, the beauty of Clubhouse is there's a face. So if I come on as, like, I launched X product, people are so much more compelled to be interested in that product because now they have access to the founder. They have access to the people behind it. And it's really kind of cool that you can have that access because you can have that conversation. Whereas before, when we see with, let's say the CeraVe, oh my God, thank you for responding that people craved, we we're talking about that connection, right? So this is connection and community on a whole new platform and in a whole new way, because it's actually, you're connecting and people when we bring these people on stage and you have their fans, people are freaking out. Oh my God, I'm such a fangirl of X. I can't believe that you're here. Christina from Jouer Cosmetics is my new friend. I didn't even know her before. And we haven't even met in person. And she happens to be in California and I just moved here. And it's so exciting because 
She's a brilliant mind. She's an innovator. They have a million followers on Instagram. Wow. And now all of a sudden I'm ordering Jouer Cosmetics because I want to support my new friend, my uh-huh. Christina. You have Ron from Beauty Stat who's on all the time and he's getting all these accolades and people are discovering Beauty Stat because of Ron. And so from a founder perspective, it's fascinating because you have a new level of exposure and from an entrepreneur or for me, when you're, when you have your own business to, to connect with like-minded people that you can either learn from, that you can exchange with is, is so motivating just in general, because when you're an entrepreneur, it can be very lonely in terms of, I don't have that boss. That's why I send maybe my old boss, these emails, because it's not like you have the someone at the top to exchange with or to push you or to even like help you celebrate. That's fantastic. I love that. All right. I'll see you on Clubhouse tomorrow. For sure. Well, <laughs> make sure to follow you. Make sure to follow follow. You. All right. Terrific. Culture starts at the top and great customer experience. The only competitive strategy in today's world is fueled by great leadership. We hear and read this every day, but many brands don't drive customer-first strategy. For those at the top who want to make that leap but don't know how, we'll learn from leaders who share what you must do to become customer-centric. I am Liliana Petrova, and this is The One Thing. The One Thing, customer experience from the top, is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And now, it's Hitting the Pan. Our last segment usually is called Hit the Pan, and since it's just us, I'm going to ask you the question. Okay. Tell us a little bit about what you love to do in your free time fun. Now that you're out in LA and you've left New York, what are you doing to keep yourself sane and happy? Okay. So that's a very easy answer. So sane is working out. Um, I've never, I've always kind of flirted with working out, but now I found this trainer. She happens to be French. We met at a Shabbat dinner. I was sitting next to her and she said that she's boxes. And I was like, okay, we ordered, um, the boxing gloves right during dinner, during Shabbat dinner. So for those of you who are Jewish, it's like really not actually appropriate to take out your phone during a dinner like that, but we did. Um, and so now I box, I box and I always say, this is my sanity. Like I can relieve my energy. I can do something for myself. So that's been amazing. The second thing is every Saturday I go and I hike in Runyon Canyon. It's my hour to myself that I listen to either like a podcast or an audible or something that's motivational. And it makes me, and I just clear my head and I think, and it's, it's like my time away and I've never been a hiker. Someone said, do you want to hike? I don't, I, that's, I mean, I've lived in New York city for 20 years. So I keep, I look at myself and I laugh and I'm like, I don't understand who I've become, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, so boxing and hiking now are my new things for the past eight months. That's fantastic. Send me the link to the boxing gloves. I could use them. Sounds like a lot of fun. Okay, for sure. And for I love sure. that you did that at a Shabbat dinner. That's awesome. It's okay. It's all good. I mean, uh, you're allowed. My French, my French, it's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. So I'm like my French Jewish trainer. We train in French. So that's kind of cool too. Oh, that's sexy. Um, I love that. 
yeah, you know, we, we train. So yeah, honey badger hustler. I'll give her a shout out here. I'm trying to help her on her Instagram. Dance. I push her. I annoy her with her Instagram all the time and make, and take pictures. So just to try to help her, but yeah, no, it, it's, you know, it's, it's so important now specifically during the pandemic to find some sort of release or find like a way to like get out your energy. And I've found that having, so first of all, she can push me or motivate me to have somebody else. So to have that physical interaction is so important, but to have a sport or something that you enjoy doing that can also help you release the energy in a healthy way has been incredible. Mimi, it was fantastic having you on the show. Thank you so much. Can you share? Thank um, you for having me. You're welcome. Can you share how our listeners can reach out to you and what would be the best uh, way? Sure. So I'm on social media as Mimi Banks. I am the cobbler with no shoes. We're going to launch an MB social Instagram at some point. But um, Mimi Banks on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn, Mimi Banks. I'm wearing pink, um, so you can find me. The other way is through our website. It's MimiBSocial.com. That's my name, M-I-M-I-B, and then social.com. Um, and I'm very quick to respond because uh, being in social, I'm always on. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. So it was fantastic meeting you and learning about your journey in the beauty industry and what you're doing today. Thank you for sharing your deep insights and information. It was terrific. This is Abby Wallach signing off for Beauty Is Your Business. Thank you. This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.